Actually, uh... What's up, Chris? I'm gonna yes. miss this podcast. Are you gonna bail and go li- go watch Alice? Yes, I am gonna bail and go watch Alice. Alright, well, we will right. talk to you later. Alright, cool, bye. Just kidding, I'm back. <laughs> I'm going to go watch some yaoi. All the things you Spoiler alert! You're listening to the Comics Online Podcast, Season 10, Episode 4, Indie Film Fest, recorded December 6, 2009. This episode, Kevin is joined by Dune, Carl, and Matt, and special guests filmmakers John Hindman and Gary King. After our canned interview with John about his film The Answer Man, starring Jeff Daniels and Lauren Graham, we interview Gary about his films Dismal, New York Lately, Death of the Dead, Hello Lovely, Grit, and Hubris. They talk about movies, including Boondock Saints 2 All Saints Day, and how hot Julie Benz is, Robert Rodriguez films including Machete, and Dune's hatred of Michael Sarah. Then they move on to comics like Flash Rebirth, Secrets Warriors, Lobo Goes to Hell, Super God, and Preacher, then wrap up with TV shows, including Dollhouse, Dexter and Mad Men. Additional music by Susan Cagle aka Susan Justice. And he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth, and when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voice. Converting earthy language into thrust, as you kneel before Isaiah, when Legend of Zelda's turned to dust. Podcasting from the future like your time was dead and gone, and we rock the best site like ComicsOnline.com. Level 12 cybernetics, vibranium power acts, you communicate with snail mail, but we wireless adapt. We are more than ECIs, we descend to blow your spot. You're a copy of better tech, like your name was GoBots. You hoping for iTunes, but little noob, you in the danger zone. We're all the best leaders, like Sepinter on his throne. Written by Stan the Man, don't you ever try to serve thee. New guys of this book, like we were drawn by Jack Kirby. Hunger like Sinistar, consumer culture, then Galactus. Final Fantasy domination, with our super geeky tactics. From the days of Marconi to Buffalo Loud and Best in City. You can hear us on every radio, stolen in Vice City. From leaping tall builders to going off. Like gamma bombs. Switch your internet browser to comicsonline.com. Hello again, and welcome to the Comics Online Podcast, Season 10, Episode 4. I'm your host, Kevin Goswan, and with me today, as usual, is Dune Murderous. Hey. And we've got <laughs> Carl. Hey, y'all. And we've got the voice of Crows. Hello, how's it going? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Crows couldn't be with us tonight because he's watching the premiere of the Alice miniseries on the Sci-Fi Channel. So instead, we have Dune as Crows. And also today, we've got a very special guest. We've got Gary King, a filmmaker from New York. Gary, how's it going? Hey, guys. I'll be Crows today. All right. Excellent. Excellent. You don't want to be Crows. (laughs) (laughs) I take that back. Yeah. So this is somewhat of our indie film episode here. So uh, yeah, season 10, episode 4, the indie film episode. And we should get right started first with an excitingly canned interview that Matt and I did with John Hindman, the writer-director of what was called Arlen Faber. What You'll see it on IMDb as Arlen Faber, but was The Answer Man, starring not only Jeff Daniels, but the beautiful Lauren Graham. And so here's our interview with John now. Hey, so, man. How, hey. how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I have no valid complaints. All right. Well, welcome to the Comics Online podcast. This is going on Season 10, Episode 4. And, oh, wait, hold on. We've got our real live interviewer. As well, we've got Comics Online's Matt Sernacker joining us as well. Sweet. Hi, Matt. Hi, how's it going? Hey, Matt. So, John, you're both the screenwriter and the director of what was originally called just Arlen Faber. Was that the name of the original work? Well, the screenplay was called The Dream of the Romans. Wow. Um, for a scene that, uh, yeah, I know, right? It's a huge departure from the simple Arlen Faber and the Answer Man. Um, there was the scene, the last scene in the screenplay, uh, actually... Um, is what made that title make sense. And even kind of cool. Um, and it was great to read, and it was fun to shoot, but when we were cutting together the movie, um, it just seemed like, uh, you know, not necessary. So then you couldn't call it Dream of the Romans anymore. Um, and then when we got uh, chosen to go to Sundance, like, what's simple? I'm like, Arlen Faber, just simple. And then Magnolia picks up the movie, and they're like, that's boring, who's that? Um, <laughs> we, want a more, we want a more commercial title. And Answer Man... Uh, I, I have to admit, um, is that. Gotcha. So I was lucky enough to watch this movie just recently here. We got the DVD in for review, and I really enjoyed it. You know, it kind of, um, the, the feeling that I came away with seemed to be, uh, you know, kind of the same sort of thing that maybe the people in the audience of Arlen's one appearance might have come away with, where it was like, huh. Well, I guess that didn't really change my life after all, but I'm glad I was there for it. Yeah, well, you know, um, certainly it was never uh, never my goal, um, nor was it uh, Arlen's necessarily to uh, to change anybody's life or even have any answers, you know? Um, I mean, how could some screenwriter from Glendale actually have the answers? <laughs> right? Right. Um and, you know, uh, one of the things that I was really, uh, I don't know, very judicious about staying away from when I was writing it was, was just that, right? To only make, like, uh, existential points as opposed to philosophical points. Because I don't want to divide people into camps, you know? Like, I've got friends who are, like, devout evangelical Christians, and I've got friends that are, you know, hedonists, pagans, atheists, right? right? And I just want everyone to go and enjoy the movie. Like, it's just a movie, you know? Um... And so, you know, when you're doing that, uh, when, you, when you have that at the forefront of your mind, it, it becomes kind of, kind of, kind of tricky. Like, I have an opinion, you know, about 
a higher power or its role in our lives. Um, but I kind of stayed away from that because it's just a movie. It's not like, you know, the John Heinemann self-examination hour, nor is it a chance for me to uh, preach, I guess, for lack of a better word. Well, you know, I, I expected more preaching. I expected more more answers, you know, be they real or the John Hindman view of reality. But it, it, it kind of left you wanting more in that respect, which, you know, I, you, you almost kind of should do. Well, you know, I think that uh, there, there were some points in there that I did put in um, what are just my personal answers to uh, some very important questions, you know, and if... Uh, if people weren't, weren't satisfied um, by those, I would recommend they, they go back and really ponder them thoroughly. Um, like the answers that Arlen gives to uh, Lou Taylor Pucci's character um, in exchange for books. Um, right, and I enjoyed not, uh, those, which, which is I, I wanted to go and, and almost uh, hear more questions and more answers to those questions. That's what I'm saying. Right, right. Well... You are then um, at the uh, at the core of uh, that desire that we all have to have something manageable presented to us that we can articulate and put into action in our lives immediately. You know, um, and also I would say this. Um, you know, I had people say, you know, in other interviews, they're like, uh, "Hey, you know, like, where's the answer?" <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And you know, to that I say. You've already heard the answer, okay, and you disregarded it. Like, there's been a, you have enough information in your life, I would imagine. People have given you enough information to guide you in a certain direction or given you, hopefully, some of the tools that you needed. And, like, and you know it when you hear it, right? Like, something clicks. You're like, that's rad. I'll do that. Or, yes, that is what I believe. Or, I will believe that from now on. And then, like everything, it sort of dissipates over time, and you start looking for a new, a new fix, a new emotional fix, a new adrenaline fix, a new spiritual fix. And that's kind of the nature of being a person, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hey, you know, one thing... How was that, how how, how that for a rambling diet that drive? Was a, <laughs> well, but you know what? That's good. That's good. Hey, you know, those things that you can't get out in a movie that's an hour and a half, two hours, you got to get them out on the press that you get afterwards. So, you know, I'm glad to be a vehicle for you here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad <laughs> to have a vehicle. So, I had a couple of questions. One of them... In the uh, in the used bookstore, I noticed that there was a certain graphic novel that got a lot of screen time. Did you have any input on that? Yeah, you're talking about Black Hole. I'm talking about Black right? Hole. This is comics yep. online, after all. We got it. We have to hit the. I know. Market. I know. You know, my uh, my producer is the producer um, for Black Hole, which uh, David Fincher is attached to, and um, and so he's like, well, you know, like. Uh, you can't show any books without getting them cleared, right? Like, so you can show, like, spines of books, but you can't show, like, book faces, okay? Uh -huh. But that was one that we could just have, because he's like, yeah, you can totally use this. Um, and, you know, when you're, shooting, when you're shooting scenes, they're, like, days apart. And we didn't know that it was going to feature quite as prominently as it did. It's kind of like an it's kind of like an ad for for black hole. It was, but you know what? I think that that most people, uh, the the non comic reading audience, probably wouldn't you know probably wouldn't jump out in their faces. Whereas you know, they, the, yeah, the comics online absolutely. folks are like, "Hello, I've just seen that five mm -hmm. times." <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Right. Yeah. So, uh, hey, um, good on you for that. Uh, that's a nice little Easter egg for Thank us you. comic geeks. I'll, I'll, I'll pass that along. Yeah. John, um, this is Matt. Did you have any uh, challenges with making this movie or with uh, the production? Well, you know, I, I don't have, as this is my first movie, I don't really have any context. Um, but I would say that, uh, that I had all the challenges that, you know, one usually has. And uh, a lot of breaks went, went my way that a lot of people don't get. Um, it's always difficult to uh, kind of, I don't know, announce here I am and I have something of value and get people to read it. It's difficult to... Uh, get it out there in the world, it's difficult to get people to pay attention, and then, you know, there's the problems with financing, and then after that, it's all kind of production problems, um, which we're all, you know, solved, but still, it's like, where are we going to shoot it? And, you know, oh my God, it's going to rain today, and stuff like that, but other, you know, other than the usual, I mean, I think it was, for me at least, in retrospect, uh, it, was, it was pretty smooth sailing. So how much, uh, how much of a hand did you have in the production? Well, a lot. I mean, there's no, there's no decision that's made that isn't at least run by the, the director. You know, I, I uh, defer to my department heads constantly, you know. Um, I think you should hire the best people that you can and then trust them. Um, I don't want to micromanage. And I don't know anything about clothes, right? So, <laughs> right? so why don't you choose, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, did choose, I did choose the wallpaper that's in Arlen's house, though. Um, because I didn't like what they had. So that was my one, uh, I suppose, aesthetic contribution. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's really kind of overwhelming. I mean, there's just, you know, 80 people that are coming at you all the time with questions, um, and they want you to make a decision. And I kind of like that, you know? I mean, how often, how often do you get to make all the decisions in your life, you know? Yeah, no kidding. It is nice. So, uh, yeah, that blue really jumped out at me. That was like, uh, you know, beat it's you pretty. over the... It, yeah. It was pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad it's not... I, I'm glad it wasn't in my house, but uh, but the house itself was awesome. That was... Wasn't uh, it sweet, man? It was a, it was a house that actually, uh, was actually for sale, um, so it was empty. So every single thing that you see in there, we, uh, we, we brought in. We painted the walls. We obviously put up wallpaper. We brought in, like, I think 7,000 books. Chose all the furniture. You know, stuff like cereal boxes and, and silverware. You know, like all of it. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, that was uh, pretty nice. One thing, I come from a long line of chiropractors, and so I want to know what your reasonings were for putting in the chiropractic angle into your story. Well, you know, it's difficult to figure out when you're writing a story how to get three strangers to meet in a way that uh, is in any way plausible. Um, and I had the characters. I sort of, you know, I, I knew, like, who they were and what their problems were and what their, what their goals were. And I couldn't figure out how to get uh, Jeff Daniels' character and Lauren Graham's character to meet. Um, and then I'm talking to my dad who is my inspiration for Arlen Faber. He's like kind of the, the real-life version of Arlen Faber, though he did not write a book about anything. Um, and he's complaining about his back again, you know, again, again. And he's like, God damn it, my back, you know, oh, it's just killing me. And I'm like, well, go to, go to the chiropractor. He's like, ah, oh, it's a waste of time. It's stupid. I just, I just don't accept it. I'm just going to not accept it. 
And I'm like, okay, we'll see how that goes, you know. And then like an hour later, I'm like, bang, she's a chiropractor. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, there was another kind of thing that happened to pop me out of the scene coming from a chiropractic family. I thought, yeah, he's that ruined. She goes and works on him, and then she's like, oh, yeah, you're, you'll be fine for about a week. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> right. Really? That's it. That's well, it. Huh? Got, okay. Well, she's got she's got magic hands. Apparently. You know, she's got magic hands. You know, there's if, magic in her hands. And, and and in fact, in that scene when uh, when Lou Taylor Pucci's character shows up and uh, and has some devastating news, um, he's able to pretend that it's not affecting him until she touches his shoulder. I did. And that's when that. that's when that's when he starts to break. You know. You know, I, clearly I just need to get close enough to Lauren Graham for her to touch me. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. who doesn't? <laughs> right? <laughs> Come on. I, right? Yeah. So, uh, John, did anything surprise you about the characters as you're actually filming it, you know, writing it, writing it versus seeing it, you know, uh, develop in front of you when you're getting to create this, you know, real-life world? Did, did anything stand out as just surprising once it was all said and done? Well, the thing that I was, I guess, struck by the most, um, and I've spent a lot of time on sets, but no one was ever speaking any of my words before. Um, and, you know, when you write a screenplay, it's just like a, it's like a template. It's like a, a blueprint, you know, and then you hire hopefully the best people you can to bring it to life. And to be that close to actors of that caliber and watch them make their choices and sort of breathe the fire into these... Uh, into these people who did not exist before, you know, except in the imagination of the reader, um, was, was astonishing. And, you know, my absolute favorite part of directing, um, and no matter how hard any day was, this was still, this was still a part of it at some point. Um, when you're right there, when, when, when the actors really nail it, you know, when they really, when they're really in the moment and, and they mean it, and it's coming from their heart, right? Everything else just falls away the lights fall away and the crew falls away and you're right there, man. It's like, it's like you have the, a front row seat for the best part of somebody else's life. You know, um, usually you only have a front row seat for your life, but you're right there, man. In these private moments when somebody screws up, you know, and tries to claw their way back or asks for another chance that they don't deserve or has the perfect comeback at, at, at the right time. Um, and to be there for that, it's just, it's just breathtaking. That's that does sound awesome. So uh, it is awesome. <laughs> so I I gotta ask how 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 did you uh, a, a new um, now I I know you were nobody new, you were new to directing <laughs> you're new to directing were you new to screenwriting as well? Um, well in in Hollywood terms, yes. <laughs> um. Certainly, uh, and, and, and I still am to a certain degree, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, people still think my name is John Hindman. And it's like, ah, it's actually Hindman. Don't be afraid of the hard vowel. <laughs> um, I, uh, I only wanted to direct movies since I was 10 years old, and uh, everything I've done has been a way to try and, you know, sort of, I don't know, find my way into that. And about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, none of my plans were necessarily working, and I thought, well, I'll start writing screenplays because I don't have to ask permission for that. And um, hopefully I'll write one that's good enough that I can hold people hostage and they'll let me direct it. Like, they'll want it so bad, they'll have to take me. There you go. Um, and I wrote, I wrote three 
before I wrote The Answer Man. Um, and it kind of sat around for like almost a year until, you know, one of my uh, then managers uh, handed it off to the guy that became our producer, Kevin Messick. We were like, hey, you know, one of our clients wrote this and, you know, see what you think. And he loved it. And in, you know, in no time at all, like the next three months were as dizzying and Cinderella-like as anything that you can imagine. Um, you not only want someone to read your script that likes it, you want someone who likes it and knows what to do with it. And Kevin was both of those things in spades. Um, in no time at all, like, you know, for five minutes here in Hollywood, I was the guy, you know. Five minutes later, there was another guy, which is fine, <laughs> right? But I was, I, was, I was the guy, you know, and uh, the guy I mean, that wrote that... You got all these these uh, you know name actors in your first production, and that's just amazing. It is, it is, it is amazing. You know, even though some time has passed since then, um, uh, it's, it's it's as incredible to me now as it was then. Like I can't believe that I can call Jeff Daniels. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, you know, like we we're like we lived in Philadelphia for 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 two months, right? Like right. he's like right right next door to me, and it's like, well, of course you can call him. It's like, yeah, but how? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, uh, how are your relationships with your actors? Is this something that's going to give you the type of pull to where you can go walk up to these people and say, hey, will you will you be in my next film? Uh, I would hope so. Um, you know, they all had a, a positive experience, and, and we all got along well. There's no, uh, there's no drama. Um, no one's pissed off or disappointed at anyone, um, which sometimes can happen just because you're under so much pressure. Uh, but I loved, uh, I loved working with them, and it's not just, it's not just bullshit. You know, like just kind of after the fact, glad handing. I really, I really did have a great time working with them, and they all brought stuff to the the part that I, I, I wouldn't have thought of because I'm not an actor. You know, like I'm a writer and um, I, especially, you know, like, you know, Jeff Daniels, man, no one shows up more prepared for him than, than, than he does. And it's not a slight on, on the other actors. It's just a, it's just an observation of the, the level of um, commitment that he has to his craft, you know, even on this little movie directed by someone, you know, that no one knows. Um, it was just, it was just amazing. And I'd love, I'd love to work with all of them. And, on that and yeah, and we're friends. Like I call them, and we're buddies, and you know we see each other, and so you know, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seemed like you did have a great rapport, given what they had to say in the DVD extras. I haven't seen that. You haven't seen so, it. So uh, I'll no, I'll nice take your word for it. It's all nice things. Yeah, there's a whole. Oh, little, good. There's a whole little montage of everyone saying how awesome John Hydman is. Oh, that's nice. It is. That's it is. nice. They, you know, it's it's like a little confessional thing. It's the answer man, the real world, or something like that. <laughs> right. Or the obvious right. one. They of all them. do. Maybe more like the right. obvious. <laughs> so do we have anything on the coals right now? Um, nothing that I can promise you, um, but there's two things that uh, I am working uh, strenuously toward. Um, one is a, a big ensemble Christmas movie. Um, six different stories that all drive toward Christmas Eve and Christmas Day um, called Christmas in New York. And the other one is uh, 
I guess it's a teen movie. I don't think of it like that, but I never know how else to explain it. There's teenagers in it, and they happen to be in high school. Um, <laughs> but they're, uh, well, uh, no, they're not. They're not. But, you know, in the next draft, you know, I'm going to turn them all into uh, maybe Meg Mucklebones from, from Legend. See, I throw that out for you comic guys. Nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, I don't know, sort of a, a satirical look at the internet, texting, Facebook, MySpace, email kind of culture and how having, you know, your profile picture and your status up, update as your representative doesn't really, um, doesn't really bring you closer with people, you know? All right. So, and so do you have a... We're working uh, on those. Do you have a, a title for, for either one of those that you can share yet? Well, the Christmas one's called Christmas in New York, uh-huh. um, because obviously it takes place at Christmas in New York. I'm with you. And uh, right now, the, right now, the teen uh, the, the teen movie uh, lives in my computer as untitled teen comedy. That's nice and vague. You Maybe, can. You should just leave it. Yeah. Keep that title. Yeah. No. Yeah, Dickens couldn't have done any better. You know. <laughs> or just to be determined. Right. That'll that'll work well on the marquee. <laughs> Closed for renovations. Yeah. That'll well. work too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So thanks for joining us today, John. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to talking with you once your next item comes up. Well, thanks. Thanks, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for your uh, thanks for your time and attention. Thanks for watching the movie, and um, thanks for uh, such uh, well uh, such nice questions. <laughs> you got it. Thank you, and have a great night. Okay, guys, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. And there it was. Okay, so... Great uh, <laughs> interview. That was good times. I like that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, he, he was a chatty guy. Yeah, all and, right. Yeah. He was very chatty. <laughs> I would describe him as chatty. Yeah, definitely. I, I really enjoyed when you asked that one question. Did you? That's, that's excellent. <laughs> Luckily, we have Gary on for regular interview and gary's been doing quite a lot lately what's your latest gary let's see my latest i think would be death of the dead which i'm excited about it's a a zombie action horror comedy type film and i was hired by strange stuff productions to do it and they're a micro budget uh kind of offshoot of fear makers which i did dismal for and it should be fun. It's about a high school girl who's kind of a geek, and uh, the town gets run over by zombies, and she finds this magic belt that turns her, turns her into a, a magic ninja kick butt type girl, and she's hot and sexy, and it's a fun film. And so the thing that really keyed me in on, oh God, I have to see this, was the introduction of a special weapon. Can you describe that? Oh yeah, the weapon... As I've I've coined it now, as on the set they they were they were testicle nun uh, nunchucks, but I started calling them nutchucks. <laughs> uh, they were pretty pretty spectacular. They looked pretty. They were big. They almost look. They didn't look human, but they were pretty big, and they 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 were used very effectively. So that's a fun scene to to see when you guys are able to. Excellent. All right, and so we understand that uh, maybe by the time this comes out, we'll we'll have an actual trailer. Is that true? Definitely. Uh, we will definitely have a trailer as soon as possible. We're converting all the footage now. We shot on a special DSLR camera, so it was very exciting to shoot on a small camera and get amazing images still. So that's uh, I'm really excited to, to show off that footage. And then uh, your, your previous one uh, with, um, uh, with this company was Dismal? 
That's correct. Swamp cannibals hunting down college kids in the in the backwoods. And uh, and Carl reviewed this. You, I, I'm sure you remember that, Carl. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and we paid him only twenty bucks to say that too. Right, right. The directing was awesome. Those special effects were like, wow, really? <laughs> you paid money for this? Uh, but uh, but overall, I wanted to. I, I at the end of it, I really wanted to see another one. So. You know, if if that tells you something, it's it's definitely worth seeing, worth uh, worth picking up on DVD once it fi finally comes out. When when's that due anyway? The last time I was told from the producers, the distributors said to them it was supposed to be at the end of '09, but now it's probably pushed to early '010. '010, mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, early 2010. <laughs> but actually, it's cool. We got news that Showtime just bought it, so it should be on Showtime. And also in Asia, there is a bidding war over it. In Japan and Thailand, they're all. All these Asian territories are, are eating it up. And so there's actually talk of a sequel. And I hope to be doing that next year. That'd be sweet. So that explains the uh, the one girl's ass. But but what about the movie? Because, oh, oh, wait, a bidding war over it. Never mind. <laughs> I, I just get stuck there in the movie and just want to rewind and rewind and rewind. Um, yeah, you definitely can. You can pause it, you know, and right. book it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh yeah i you know i really liked uh, obviously she was uh, great eye candy as well as the uh as our heroine in the movie <laughs> um she uh she did really get some kick ass parts nice i have to give a shout out that's lydia chandler as the lead and i'm you're talking either about Cable kane or megan reedy both uh supporting characters were very attractive women so the the producers definitely did the marketing with the casting here yeah, yeah, really, for either sex, uh, it, it wasn't exactly hard on the eyes. I think anybody who is interested in either either flavor will uh, enjoy it. The Ranger guy seemed really familiar, and I tried, I, I think I looked him up on uh, IMDb, but I, I, I don't think I recognized anything that he had been in, but he looked really familiar when I first saw him. Yeah, he's just working, actually. I think he's done very feature roles in The Secret Life of Bees, and he did a few other things. I think it was one of his first leads or supporting leads where he played a villain. And I think he's starting to get cast now with his wonderful face and his ability. He's getting cast as the evil principal of the school, the evil guy, the bad guy, all this kind of stuff. So it's Bill Oberst Jr. And he's a phenomenal actor. And he'll definitely be back as Dale in the sequel if we get it off the ground. Well, I really hope you do. Like I said, that really leads into something where you're like, oh, this, this really needs a sequel because it's only just got started. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And it's cool because he, he brought a lot to that role that uh, in the script it was a little bit more one-dimensional, and he and I worked on fleshing him out, and, and, and Bill just ran with it and created, a, I think, almost an iconic villain. I just, I just wish if this film got more exposure, I think people would really gravitate towards uh, that character and how sadistic he is and how good that Bill can play him. So if you guys can check it out, you know, check out the film just for him because he's amazing. Yeah, for sure. And like I say, the eye candy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. And uh, so, so previous to that, you were doing, and, and, and that uh, on, on Dismal, that you were, you were the director and weren't involved in uh, the, the, the writing and that sort of thing previous. That's correct, yeah. All right, and um, you've got two items, one in production and one taking a tour of the world, it seems. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about those? Yeah, definitely. Um, so 
New York Lately was my first feature film that I shot, and last oh, this year in the festival circuit, it did it did well, and it played in a few different cities, and I got to tour with it. It's an ensemble drama, um, mainly just following different characters around the city as they try to find their their way in the in the, in the world, and it's been compared to. Love Actually meets Crash, kind of a cross between those two. You're just following different characters, different storylines, and it's a little bit of comedy and humor and drama and all that good stuff. So I'm excited about it. And it should be on DVD, hopefully in early January, mid-January sometime. I'm just right now finishing up the deleted scenes and doing a commentary for it and doing some outtakes with it and stuff. So I'm just prepping up that DVD and it should be out. And What's Up Lovely is my new feature film, that stars Jen Dees, who was in New York lately, and her and I collaborated with Jason Varno, the cinematographer, on it. And we really just had a lot of fun and, and did an improv-based feature film where we had just a basic treatment and then went out and shot just a bunch of stuff and then started shaping it in post. And it's turning out really, really good, and I'm, I'm excited about getting it out there. And that should be out hopefully in the festival circuit uh, by mid-next year or even spring sometime then. So is there any precedent for this sort of filmmaking? I mean, what might we have seen that started out that way? I think what the origins of the project came about when Jason and I were talking one day, and I said if he's, he, he used to live in Brooklyn, and he moved away, and I was kind of just, just being a little joking around saying, well, you know, if he still lived out here, we'd just shoot something really quick because we started getting on the whole mumblecore uh, rant about how they just shoot about nothing and, you know, it's, it's little, you know, very loosely based scripts and structure. And he said, well, I have, uh, I have some free miles and I'll come out if you want to shoot something. And so I said, oh yeah, let's do it. And so we kind of took, uh, I wouldn't say exactly a mumblecore direction, but we definitely took that type of approach where it's a lot more collaboration involved with the actors and there is less of a script, but we definitely, try to have a nice solid treatment and that seems like what people have been kind of now putting under the mumblecore label but it's actually a lot of the independent filmmakers nowadays in order to get projects and get actors interested in these projects is offering a lot more collaboration and involvement within the script structure and then just shooting and everything else in the stages of of the film and so that's a whole genre in of itself huh mumblecore it is. I believe it is. And it's kind of, I, I, it's more just definitely art house type. Um, it's art house cinema and there's a film festival audience for it. But as far as uh, mainstream moviegoers, they're not really familiar with the different filmmakers who are under that mumblecore umbrella. And again, I don't, I don't even know if people want to consider themselves that way anymore. But the, the bigger names that you would probably recognize are, are Mark Duplass. They did... Uh, uh, like the first one was the Puffy Chair, and then they did Baghead, and then they've got a Fox Searchlight movie deal based on those films. And more recently, Lynn Shelton has been coined that, as well as a few other people. So it's kind of like a smaller movement where it's called under, uh, you know, under it's a really low budget type of film, and again, it's very improv based and. It's just a looser structure. Dune or Carl, you guys have any questions? You actually you want a description as to what Mumblecore is, though. Since you, I just had want... to wiki it right now. And I assume our listeners will sometimes be driving. Okay. And don't have the wiki in front of them. Mumblecore. It, I mean, you know, why don't you read what they say? Because it's kind of hard to define. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
Mumblecore is an American independent film movement that arose in the early 2000s. It's primarily characterized by ultra-low-budget production, often employing digital video cameras, focus on personal relationships between 20-somethings, improvised scripts, and non-professional actors. And then they list some films as well and where it was coined. And those, the Puffy Chair and uh, the other one that you mentioned were both um, uh, Baghead. Baghead. Definitely, definitely. I mean, as when Jason and I were talking about it, we said Mumblecore, and a lot of people do think that Mumblecore is a bunch of whiny 20-year-olds who have, you know, they just whine about their relationships and they're all hipsters and stuff. And it kind of seems like a lot of those movies do incorporate that as well. So that's with What's Up Lovely, we kind of just took the initial approach about the no money, digital cameras, of course, and a loosely based structure, a loose, loose script. But we wanted to do something a little bit more than just a whiny 20-something-year-old. So we tried to take it to another level. It's, and it's kind of... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I watched your uh, trailer. I don't know if I just didn't see it with, with any sort of dialogue before, or monologue, as it were. I, I think originally I was just seeing it with, with, uh, with music. Is that the case? Yeah, the teaser was just music, and we just released the uh, official trailer, which has her, her voiceover. Right, and it seems it's got a kind of a spooky thing to it. Um, not spooky as in, you know, something's going to jump out at you, but like a uh, kind of a, a sad and kind of weird sort of vibe to it. And it, you know, really, I wasn't sure what to think about it after listening to Jason talk. By the way, the, the Jason that, uh, that Gary has mentioned is the same Jason as from the Comics Online podcast. I got I to gotta watch it now. Well, I mean, I, I had to watch it anyway, but like, <laughs> I got to watch it because I want to watch it. Um, yeah, you're forced to watch it anyway, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it's definitely, um, it was something when we, when we set out to do, I loosely based the treatment on something that Crows is watching tonight. So I'm not really going to mention it because I don't want a lot of people to really see, you know, that we really did something based on something else. I want them to kind of figure out what that could be. But there's just loose elements within this from a, a classic literature that we kind of based It's Alice our- in Wonderland. Oh, no. Here we go. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We spoiler it before it's done. That's right. <laughs> but so it's, yeah, it's very, there's loose elements. Like, you're not going to see blatant stuff. But it's, it's that trailer definitely gives you the vibe about that it's an internal movie. She's going to be talking. It's a voiceover piece in there. And I just wanted to give the vibe that it's kind of going between the dream world and reality and just wanted to have people prepare for this experience by that trailer. All right. And then what I saw at the end of the trailer today kind of blew me away. This is part one of a trilogy now. Yes, it is the loneliness trilogy. Um, So I, I'm very, I'm fascinated with characters that live on the outskirts and have a little bit more of a desolate life. And so this not is not necessarily the same character in the other films that I'm going to be developing, but just exploring that type of theme with other characters and other settings. It should be really fun. So what's next for, for Gary King? Well, I would love to direct a Doctor Who episode, but, you know, <laughs> out there. So that'd be cool. Um, breaking news, I, I am in the running to direct uh, a horror psychological thriller with uh, I don't want to say the name to jinx it, but an 80s TV star who is not... Kirk Cameron. Of, uh, 
We can play this game all night, boys. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of them out there. But uh, it's, a, it's a guy, and it should be pretty cool, though, if I can direct it. So uh, I am in the running to do that. But uh, other than that, I'm just still developing a, a few more films, maybe Dismal 2. Um, doing some of my own for the Loneliness Trilogy and just keeping busy. What what, what we really need to know is uh, uh, when does, um, oh God, what's the name of the, the damn thing with Jeremy? <laughs> oh, Grit. Grit. When do we see Grit? That's what I really want to know because that was, a li- just, just for a little background, uh, Grit was a uh, trailer that was really fucking awesome. <laughs> and would you, it's one of these things where you know like you might see in the middle of grindhouse you're like oh god now i gotta see that oh it doesn't exist what the fuck i'm totally <laughs> cheated i dude i want to see it tell me about it i want to see it. it's a guy with a machete who goes around killing people for uh revenge and it's not jason it's a guy who uh wears a leather jacket and he looks like a badass and we definitely kind of mirrored it after a 70s grindhouse type film and Jeremy Kerner, the star of that one, is still writing the script, as far as I know. He sent um, a sample over to me a few pages a while back. But uh, I'm still waiting on the script, and that was that was done. The trailer was done to generate some interest and some money, but uh, it's still in development. So not sure where it is, but we're still working on it. Right on. So I first met Gary at the, um, what was that called? Dances with Films? Dances with Films in L.A., in L.A. in, uh, what, 2006? Yeah. When you Sounds were, good. Yeah, yeah, in, uh, what's that, Studio City. And we were out there across the street from CBS checking out Hubris, which was a, a short that Gary did. That, didn't you win something for that? Uh, no. Well, I'll edit that part out, too. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep that in. <laughs> we won a Rogue Cinema Cinematic Excellence Award. Rogue Cinema Cinematic Excellence Award. Oh, see, I, I thought you won something. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I thought it was nice. It was, you know, it's it's a fun little short um, that wasn't nearly as bloody as it should have been. <laughs> and it's Jason's favorite film or project that we've done, which kind of saddens me. But he hasn't seen, seen What's Up Lovely yet, so I'm, I'm, my fingers are crossed he's going to be pleased with this one. Yeah. Well, how could he not be pleased with uh, with the Grit trailer, though? That was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was it was fun. That was fun to do. Yeah. But uh so so what do you so being as though we've gone through your uh <laughs> pretty much your whole filmography. Uh, <laughs> what's uh what what have you been watching lately that's been awesome? Jeez. Um well, I mentioned the if you're ta- are you talking DVD, uh, DVD TVs or movies or you know I, well I was just talking about film but uh, yeah DVDs movies uh, TV whatever you got what's uh, what's been striking your fancy lately? Um, well, I just let's see it's kind of I've been actually going back as as I was prepping to do uh, Death of the Dead I went back and I watched Crank. And uh, my Sam Raimi staple, Army of Darkness. Nice. And I definitely watched uh, Kill Bill. So I'm a huge fan of, of uh, action, horror stuff. So I'm always looking out for those type of projects. And it's hard now because most of the films that I see just either are trying too hard or are remakes and stuff. So the one that I'm really excited about but I haven't caught yet is Ty West. Uh, I think it's House of the Devil. Is that the title? And uh, it looks really good. And it's about a girl 
and it takes place in the 80s, and she's, I think, going to take care of a house for somebody, and it's just kind of an homage, homage throwback to the 70s type of films, horror films that I love, like the Hammer films from the 60s and all those type of movies. So um, that's what I'm definitely looking forward to. Something that I, that I saw today, uh, Kendrick and I went and saw Boondock Saints 2, uh, Hardly Boonies, or whatever it's called. Uh, Boondock Saints 2. Electric Boogaloo. Right. Boondock Saints 2, All Saints Day. Um, which was, you know, I, I read a lot, and I guess I really shouldn't read things ahead of going, but I read a lot of crap. People talking mad shit about it, and... Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, there were some weird editing things and some weird choices. You know, there was a, there was kind of this middle part where you're like, "What?" It it didn't quite mesh, um, but overall, I fucking loved it. It was you know, uh, it was rough by uh, I don't know by Disney standards, but it's not a Disney movie. It's uh you know it's the same guy who who wrote the first one. Um, did you like the first one? I loved the first one. Okay. I was uh, I was a big fan. What are your thoughts? What did you, what did you think of the first one? I I didn't like it too much actually. Really? I could see, I could see what he was trying to do with it, but I thought uh, there was there was some really cool sequences, but it was just too over the top. And William Defoe to me was just just hacking it up too much. Um, but I could I could see what they were trying to do, but it just didn't work for me. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of these things where it is definitely over the top and unapologetic about it. And this one was almost more so when it came to Julie Benz's role. She took over the Willem Dafoe part mm. because his character had died in the interim. And she comes in and she is even more over the top, if you can believe <laughs> that. And, and, you know, it's it's strange, but, you know, we, we've seen her as Darla in Angel and Buffy, and we've seen her as um, uh, Dexter's wife in Dexter, but this, as ridiculous as she was in the movie, is probably her sexiest role. I was going to ask, was she hot? She was so, it was like, oh my god, quit it. Just, my god. Oh, and by the way, Dune, welcome back, and uh, we're talking about Boondock Saints 2, uh, All Saints Day. Electric Boogaloo. Wait, did you guys bring up Overnight yet? Wow. Gary, you have to have watched that, right? I, I've seen it, I've, and it's it's an amazing doc. You guys have to see it if you haven't seen it. No, I haven't. Who, yeah. who did it? It's, when, Troy, when? It's, it's Troy Duffy and his friends were documenting as uh, Sundance picked up, uh, I think it was Sundance, and Harvey Weinstein picked up Boondock Saints and its whole uh, fiasco of, of going through the whole thing. Uh, was it financed Dune, or was it picked up? Was it already shot, or was it going to be shot? It was going to be shot. Got picked up as a script, which is crazy. That's right. Okay. Yeah, and it's just and just Troy Duffy just goes on this huge ego maniac kind of rant about how great he is, and the doc just follows the whole kind of process of how he goes from being number one in the world to being dropped by Harvey at the last minute and stuff, and it's amazing. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, yeah. Somebody, it's a- somebody mentioned something about that. I, I don't know if it was on the podcast or over the phone. I wanted to say it was either Dune or Jason. I think I talked about it before. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. So the new one came out, and I gotta say, if you liked the first one, and and you can deal with the ridiculousness of it, then you will love the next one. Dune, did you like the first one? Um, I liked it, but I haven't seen it since I was a teenager. 
you know, I don't produce <laughs> testosterone anymore. <laughs> so I might not like it, but the whole the whole re- over the top revenge and like, yeah, but now I feel like I'm old and I'm like, I don't want to see this shit. Yeah. <sighs> you know, the first one actually why I didn't like it, Kev, was uh, a lot of it was it was trying too hard with the dialogue. Like they would they would be quoting from was it the Bible or from their like Irish kind of heritage or it was just like it was just like you could tell it was written. You know, you're just so written, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, you, you know. It wasn't Mumblecore enough. <laughs> right. They just needed no, no. to do, do some more uh, Mumblecore and they'd have been fine. So, <laughs> no, they, they, um, they, they really did it up as a sequel. I mean, there were, there were definite p- parallels like you do in a sequel um, when you try to make it a sequel. And in doing so, I enjoyed it. You know, I keyed in on on the various things because I, I went and watched the Blu-ray right before going. And I was like, ah, he did the same thing. You know, the, the detective uh, did that same exact thing, you know, 10 years ago in the first one. Ha <laughs> 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 ha. You know, and shit like that. It was great. Um, is and, uh, Clifton Collins Jr. is in it. How is he? Uh, remind me who that is. I'm on. I'm on your IMDb, not the not not what we're talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> he um he's kind of a guy who's uh, incognito a lot. It's, he's just he's in everything if you IMDb him, but you just never really notice him. He was uh, latest one. I think he was the right hand man to uh, uh, in Star Trek. Um, who was uh he was a he was a oh that guy. Yeah, he is an everyman, isn't he? He was in Sunshine Cleaning as the guy who didn't have the arm. Yeah, he's like in there. He was in Crank Two. I still didn't see Sunshine. Cle- oh wait, yes, I did. I saw it on a plane. I saw it on the plane back from from Italy, where I last saw Gary. Yeah, nice <laughs> memories. Memories. Um, but yeah, that guy. Uh, he he was uh, again completely over the top. Yeah, as expected. So okay. Yeah, he was like the supposedly Italian guy was in the first time in, in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was hey. the he was the over the top Mexican guy. <laughs> okay, and so it was you know, I mean you you really got what you paid for with this one, and um, for fans like myself, they really left it open for a third movie. I mean, it was it was as open for a third movie as Back to the Future 2. Oh. <laughs> it was like, okay, here we go. And there, and, and. Credits. But Bye-bye. Speaking of, when you said over-the-top Mexican guy, it totally, for some reason, made me think of uh, Machete, Robert Rodriguez's new movie that he's working on. Yeah. I can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome. And Robert Rodriguez is due because he's had some crap for the last few projects, you know? What did he do last? I haven't seen it, but I think it was called Shorts, and there was something else. But, I mean, Planet Terror was okay, but, I mean, to me, his his masterpiece is either from Dust Till Dawn or Desperado, like his early stuff. He was just, like, all he was, he was on his game. I definitely and, liked uh, From Dust Till, Till Dawn. Yeah, and um, kind of, he's just kind of fallen off, I think, I think uh, in his past few projects. But Machete looks awesome. Wait a minute. It's got Steven Seagal. <laughs> what? Machete. <laughs> You're kidding. It. What? It's uh, Robert De Niro, Jessica Albert, Alba, uh, Steven Seagal, Lindsay Lohan, uh, 
Michelle Rodriguez, Rose McGowan, and of course Danny Trejo, who yes, could who, nobody else could play him. I was waiting to see to see if he was in this because you just said Machete, and I was like, oh well, it must be Danny Trejo. <laughs> I mean, well, it would God. have to because it's it's based on the trailer from Grindhouse. Yeah. Oh, really? All right. Well, then, fine. Remember between Planet Terror and Death Proof, they had all the trailers. I know, but I saw them separately, and I think I, I don't think I even saw the extras, and I'm lame in that. Well, one. well the, oh, the, you, Danny, you the, the Danny Trejo one is is Machete. All right. Because there's yeah, also a, the, I I heard there was a rumor that Rob Zombie was going to do um, Werewolf Babes in the SS or whatever it was. <laughs> that sounds cool. Kevin, you said you've never seen the Machete trailer. I don't think I have. I'm sure. Oh, it's, it's probably oh you're missing up, out. Up online yeah, e- easily, right? Oh man, he's got machetes. One would assume, and he is machete. <laughs> yeah, and he gets the ladies. Very machete centric, as it should be. If it's as good as the trailer, I'll forgive him for having Steven Seagal in it. And it's <laughs> also got Don Johnson and Cheech Marin. Nice. Yeah. All right. How many play- parts is Cheech Marin playing, though? <laughs> yes. <Is that>? exactly. <laughs> like from Dust Till Dawn, where he's in it like 14 times? That was yeah. awesome. That was awesome. Oh, that was a good movie. Um, it's in, um, in Death of the Dead, the, the zombie movie I did, there's an actor who plays three different roles. He like has a beard in one, he shaved it to a mustache in the other, and, and I don't know what he did on the third one, because they, they did a pickup shot, and so he, he played a newscast guy. And I, don't, I don't know if he totally shaved or not, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> got Ted Raimi? I wish. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> Is he in Drag Me to Hell? I haven't seen that one yet. Yes. I haven't yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Ted Raimi. Did you review that, Carl? No, but I remember, I, I read something about it. I think he's in it. My favorite Ted Raimi uh, cameo is in uh, Midnight Meat Train. I haven't seen uh-huh. that. Is that good? Oh, it's awesome. Mm, I'm going to have to pick that one up. And it's not gay porn like I thought it was when I opened the package. <laughs> Why, you were disappointed first, and then, then you were happy. <laughs> well, it's, it's based on a Clive Barker Books of Blood story. Yeah, and, and it, it's, it starts a pretty big name in it, right? Uh, yeah, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But it was, it, was, it was... Justin Long? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a PC. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, God. Thank God for IMDB. Yeah, that's that's the only person that I recognize on this. I just remember... Uh, oh, Justin Long really is in it? Yeah, yeah, not joking. No. Oh. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Drag me to hell. Justin Long no. is in it. Midnight oh, Eight. Justin Long... I was talking Midnight Meat Train. Oh, yeah. Midnight. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, Vin, Vinny Jones is in Midnight Meat Train. Okay. And uh, Leslie Bibb, those are the two big names. Or Brooke Shields has a small part in it. Brooke Shields, okay. But Ted Raimi's got a part where he's on the train and he gets gets uh, slicked by Vinny Jones. But it's just it's a great scene with him and a big hammer. Nice, nice. That one was one where I paid attention to because they said it was it, it, it didn't get a theatrical or a wide theatrical and it and it deserved it because it was really good. 
Yeah, it wasn't your standard horror because I'm like I said, I, I get it out of the blue and I open it up. I'm like, what the hell is Matt sending me? Why am I getting the gay porn? Because <laughs> I mean, that's what the name sounds like. And then I I put it in. I'm watching. I'm like, oh holy crap! And then the, the ending is just so out there that you're just like, oh holy shit! Oh, and it's got you're gonna uh, edit that out. No, I'm not. Why would I do that? Um, oh. Oh, sorry, you've had Nomad on, so... Exactly. Yeah, it's got Bradley Cooper from Alias. Oh, okay. And, uh... Apparently, The Hangover. And he's going to play Face in the A-Team. Who is? Bradley Cooper. Directed by Joe Carnahan, who's also due for something good. Right on. What did he do before? Uh, I love Narc, if you haven't seen that one. Mm-mm. But Jason Patrick and Ray Liotta, it's awesome. It takes place in Detroit. And I think that was um, Carnahan's best. And then he followed that one up with Smoke and Aces, which is probably one of uh, the Grit trailer was actually really inspired by the Smoking Aces teaser trailer, one of their first trailers. Um, and that was an amazing trailer, but the movie didn't live up for the trailer, which is most of the time, right? Right. But, you know, sometimes you get some treats. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, this uh, this A-team sounds scary, but it, it, it seems like they've got a decent cast. I mean, they've got Liam Neeson as, as Hannibal. <laughs> He's the badass in Taken. You see him in Taken? Holy shit, I was blown away. Yeah. That was... Uh, that was no Qui- Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> no. No, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, you know, peaceful uh, Zen Jedi action. It was all, it was all death. Yeah? Yeah. Yes, I, I saw that on the plane as well. Taken? Yeah, on the, uh, yeah, on the plane back from, uh, from Italy. Okay. On the way I there, that- I watched uh, Wolverine. And fell asleep on it eleven times. Oh man, God. poor Hugh! It was awful. But anyway, Carl, you were saying something? Well, actually, I got two things. Well, they're playing. They're showing Taken on HBO now. It just premiered this Saturday. Nice. And I, I enjoyed Wolverine. Well, fair. Good. I had to review it. <laughs> See, we should have sent it to Carl instead. I had to- I had to review it, I mean, I, and then, then I got the ultimate slap in the face when I, I wrote my review, it went in there, and then Matt changed my one and a half stars to three and a half stars. He did? I was like, what the fuck? Yes. <laughs> Why? Because me and Crows wrote it together, and then Matt edited it, and then he's like, Matt's like, great movie, and I know Crows hated it as much as me, <laughs> but but he was pandering, and th- therefore, therefore I'm never getting edited by Matt again. Oh, jeez. I was like, this is awful and horrendous. And then, but then the end was like, but it's a great movie. Check it out with your kids. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, that, that was not good. That, that, was, that was by far the worst of the X films. Where's your integrity? All up so bad. They screwed them all up so bad. I mean, how can you tell good from bad? I, I, I want to say that the third one started out good, but then went to shit. I mean, I really, I really enjoy them, but none of them are good X Men movies. They're good movies with X Men in them. 
but they they screwed the continuity up almost as bad as as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. We've um, we've definitely hit that already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we 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 do tend to beat dead horses on this podcast, so forgive us if we do it again. But, uh, ah, but uh, hey, Rob Liefeld's not that good of an artist. Hey, and and <laughs> we're upset about Joe Quesada's treatment of Spider Man. All right, so whoa. <laughs> hey, 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 Gary, I got a pitch for you. We're gonna win Sundance. <laughs> yes, yes. You ready for this? It's gonna be I, very I'm ready. I'm ready. Got my hand. All right. So there's this kid. And he's in college, and he's really depressed, and he likes girl, but she doesn't like him, and all the stuff's going on, and he decides, fuck it, I'm going to kill myself, right? Mm-hmm. So he writes, like, 30 letters, right? It's going to be called, like, 30 letters, because that sounds artsy, yeah. right? And, yep. uh, and he just sends them to everyone. He sends them to his family. He sends them to the bully, like, hey, fuck you, you faggot. I could totally kick your ass, and all the stuff. He sends it to the girl, saying how much he loves her. He sends it to the guy at the coffee shop, saying, why can't you do coffee right? Blah, blah, blah. He does everything, right? Sends it off, and then he either hangs himself, the rope breaks, he falls on his back, and he's in a coma for a couple weeks. Or he tries to take some pills, something goes wrong in a coma for a couple weeks. Point is, wakes up, super independent. He has to deal with all the stuff going on. So he's so he's got the girl that's like, I never knew you felt this way. I felt this way too. Oh, you're too scared to say something. And he's got this one guy that wants to kick his ass totally. And he's got his parents who are finally looking at him like an adult because he gave all his feelings and stuff. And he has to have a whole new connection with them on a personal level. And then, then these things play out. Nice. I thought this was going to be total bullshit. I thought this was a total joke. That actually. No, no, this like is my indie was... movie. That's... I only have the ability to pitch comedies to people. <laughs> oh, this so is how com- you pitch Sundance. Nice. But what if the, no, the, no, love no, this... letter, the love letter that he sends accentually to the to the bully or something? No, you're, forget <laughs> See, that, it. Forget that, everything. That, that turns it into a comedy again. <laughs> All right, this brings my next question. Do you know any other directors? <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. You're, you're off the project. <laughs> oh, oh. That was fastest I've been cut. Oh. Wow, that's... That... That, that was my Sundance winner. It was very emotional. Oh. I thought Dune was on this. I've got... Uh, no, this is Dune. <laughs> really? Is Dune being serious? I know, it's weird. It's, yeah. Um, I'm in it for the money. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so so Dune actually not now that now that you mention it, uh, what's what's the latest that you can tell us, or or the latest that you can't tell us that that I can uh, delete off of this? On my life? No, not on your life. I don't care about your life. I'm talking about your your uh, various pitches to you know you've got all these animation things. Um, they're going horribly. Going horribly. Uh, the second pack of pitches to Cartoon Network were essentially the manager talk called up the guy like two weeks ago and he's like, oh yeah, well I thought that, and he gave the advice he gave in the first one, she's like, do you read the second ones? And he's like, oh, not yet. And that was the last I heard. All right, Hollywood. Yay. Yeah, fucking A. Wait, so Dune is pitching some projects out in Hollywood? Yep. I'm not. The writing partner people are. I'm okay. just hanging out in San Diego crying. 
But yeah, they already sold the a script to uh, the old National Lampoon a while ago that got bought. Nice. That I wrote horrible jokes about farts on. <laughs> Wait, so doing your screenwriter too? Is that what? What? what no, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> I just drink. Most most screenwriters are alcoholics, but. <laughs> oh well, I'm halfway there. <laughs> no, go. I do nothing. Okay. Wait. Oh yeah, wait, wait, one second. What? What? Kelly said my movie idea is Max Keeble's big move. A Nickelodeon movie. Where he gets bullied. And his parents say he's moving. So he does all the crazy stuff. And his parents say he's not moving. Damn it! Stupid Nickelodeon! Yeah. Is that a is that a real cartoon? No, it's a real like apparently Nickelodeon made for TV movie that oh. apparently I create. Oh, oh wait, it was in theaters. Yeah. Uh, apparently my movie's already been made about the kid killing himself. Mine's edgy, as well as suicide. That's Sundancey. <laughs> they'll drive across the country in a van. It'll be horrible, and it'll have a soundtrack <laughs> of horrible stick music with people who can't sing, like Juno's unlistenable soundtrack. What are you? Are you kidding me? I totally bought that soundtrack. That's that was the worst soundtrack I've ever heard in music. That was so terrible. The just hipster garbage of, oh my god, just reeking of American apparel and shame. <laughs> Tori Amos meets Bob Dylan. Oh yeah, that was bad. That was the worst soundtrack I think I've ever heard of. Mm. But it's like best you can't can. help but listen. <laughs> no. God, Michael Sarah singing. I like that new kid from Zombieland and Adventureland because he's taken over for Michael Sarah's awfulness. Uh, <laughs> he's like, he's he's like the Mexican Sarah. guy going in and taking Michael Sarah's job, you know? He could do it for half the price and stuff. <laughs> I like that kid. He's my hero. I hate Michael Sarah. Uh, so it's the same I'm guy awkward. from from Adventureland who's in Zombieland. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's that's Michael Sarah, but he's wearing a a wig. <laughs> a talent wig. A talent wig. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Adventureland. One of one of the other seven movies I saw on the way back from uh, Italy. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed with that one, though. Me too. I was all right. Yeah. I was in a I was in a power through many movies because I you know on the way there I went and and took some. Uh, uh, what are they called? Xanax. No, just something that makes you sleep. Anyway, um, some some sleeping because my wife was like, "Oh, here, take these, and then you'll get some sleep on the plane." No, I was just irritable on the plane. Um, on the way there, <laughs> I get there and I'm all, uh, it was. Awful. Oh, you had a bad flight to Italy. Yeah, you went to Italy <laughs> and it was not a good flight. Uh, we're cutting this part out. So. <laughs> <laughs> But on the way back, I saw like seven movies, so it was good. Um, and, um, any of them stick? Like something you're like, wow, that was good. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. I it, I I saw. Um, well, like I say, say I saw um, the the Liam Neeson thing, and I I saw uh, Sunshine Cleaning Company, and which apparently didn't stick all that much because I didn't remember that uh, Homeboy was in it. Yeah, no, it, it came and went in the theaters. It got bought at Sundance, but 
it didn't uh, did, they didn't release it for a long time and it was like a small release. Yeah, I you know, I I recall enjoying it and thinking it was definitely worthwhile. Yeah, it was good. Anyhow, uh so today before watching Boondock Saints, I watched a bunch of movies today. I saw on Blu-ray, which is uh, fresh to Blu-ray, look for the review on Comics Online, Love Actually, which is almost like, it's, it's kind of like New York Lately, only it's in England. And it's got major stars in it. <laughs> and it's got actual stars instead of yeah, just exactly. some people new to, to movies. You know, about, about New York Lately, if... If you liked Love Actually, if you're into the romantic comedies that knit a bunch of stories together, see it. And if you're into some good music, that thing has got a hell of a score and some nice other music as well. Just like Juno. <laughs> All right. All right, you. We don't have Michael Sarah, unfortunately. Yeah, well, <sighs> they were all out of Michael Sarah that day. Yeah. And so instead you got... Uh, we have uh, Nate Campany did a lot of the, the music supervision and provided some of his tracks. And Susan Cagle, who I just found out, uh, her name is now Susan Justice because um, she got out of an old record deal with Sony and she's now with Warner Records. And so I think she probably had to leave her name and do a new name because of the contract or something. But um, she's doing a new album and so she's going to get out there and it's going to be cool. She's in this film, so hopefully it'll kind of tie back into this and people might find this little film based on her career if it blows up. That'd be really cool. That would be cool. I liked her little song at the end. Yeah. Well, actually, it was kind of playing through the entire thing. You know, her her starting it and, and just writing it throughout the writing, movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. And I don't think, I didn't give the website. So it's, it's nylately.com if people wanted to check out the trailer, see the different reviews. We've got amazing reviews. And, um, and again, the DVD is coming out early 2010. Excellent. All right. And, um, and then if, uh, and if anybody wants to check out all of Gary's films, you can check him out at kitchentablefilms.com. That's correct. And is there a torrent? Um, is there a torrent? <laughs> oh, this, that's a funny story, actually. Gary, tell, 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 him, tell him about the torrent. For New York Lately? Didn't you say that you found it? Didn't you post on, on Facebook or, or Twitter oh, yeah. or something like that that you found a torrent found, of it? Yeah, well, I found a torrent of it, but uh, I was talking to Jason's brother who actually did research later on. He said it was empty. There wasn't really anything there. It was just kind of... And my film has been in some festivals enough that it's got enough kind of a recognition within the certain kind of market, so they... They kind of want you to sign up, get a membership, and then when you actually do it, there's nothing there. So that's kind of a bait and switch. But they do that with a, a lot of titles, not just mine. But mine is one of the many included that they say they offer, but it's not there. Oh, right up there with uh, sexy teen sluts. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Which um, actually Dismal did get torrented. Like I did a Google and I found it, and I shouldn't say don't. I mean, if you're gonna see it. Please wait for the DVD because there'll be some. It, there's a hilarious commentary that the producers and I did, and also with the actors, and uh, it's it's fun. Um, but I believe you can probably find it online. It's like on a million different sites now, so it's uh, getting out there. <laughs> wait, I hear some clicking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear some. Carl. No, no, it sounded like San Diego clicking, not Idaho clicking. Uh, what? No, it doesn't. Stop contacting my ISP. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, good time. Good time. So what's what's uh, going on in comic books lately? 
Have you have you been reading anything, Carl? Flash Rebirth. How was that? Secret anyway? Warriors. I'm not sure. I'm waiting for it to finish to see what exactly they're going to do. It seems a little strange and discombobulated, but it's Flash. I'm a big Flash fan. Right. It seemed like it was the uh, final crisis of uh, the of, of, of Flash. I mean, where it's like, what? Wait, what? What just happened? I'm I'm so confused. I, th- I think it's their cheesy way of, b- of bringing Bart back from the dead and keeping Barry and Wally and Jesse Quick and whoever whoever else. I think it's just their way of bringing all of them back. Hmm. Which is what that's what that's what it seems. Like I said, I need to wait until the last one. Gotcha. And uh, so, what else did you say that you're reading? Uh, the Secret Warriors, the Nick Fury Secret Team. Oh, right. I, I read the first one and then one of the recent ones that didn't have anything to do with them. It, it was just Nick Fury. Yeah, it's a little strange, but it's it's really good. Like, um, Ares has a son. And right. Ares is part of the new Avengers with Norman, with Norman Osborn. Uh-huh. But, his ki- but his kid's hanging out with Nick Fury and his, and his group. And his son is Phobos. Is that who he's supposed to be? Yeah. I know his name is Alex. Yeah, his son is Phobos, the god of fear, and so that's you know that's how this kid can get by in a uh, you know in a Marvel world where everybody's gonna you know come and kill him, but you know and he's just a kid without powers, but he makes everyone afraid of him. Well, he's got powers. He drank some god's blood, apparently. I think it's one of those stories where you've got to read every Marvel book to catch everything. Oh no. But the last, the last, the last issue was, was talking to them, and Ares took his kid up to meet with the the God Council to see if he, they were going to let him live and be a god or whatever. And they declared him the new god of fear or something, and he's got to die and be reborn. Hmm. All right then. And I'm reading Dark Avengers and I've got the new Tom Corbett Space Cadet series waiting to be picked up right on that was an old other than that that he was an old pulp hero right yeah other than that i'm just waiting for a jump on point for some of this stuff because it's just so everything everything is so mixed up and everything it's you know where the hell do you jump on is bruce wayne alive or dead who's batman right what's spider-man actually doing every damn week uh, Spider uh, Spider Man is ridiculous, and Dick Grayson Dick Grayson is Batman. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Robin the the original Robin is is now Batman, which you know it's as it should be. Who else could it be? Oh, and I read the first Lobo Goes to Hell. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's that that was, that was the one from a while back, right? Uh, number one came out last month. Number two came out last week. Oh, I thought he went to hell before and they kicked him out. Oh yeah. But this is going back because he, Satan taunted him with a dead porpoise. <laughs> and for some reason, the dead porpoise pissed him off. So he decided to go to hell and he beat the hell out of Charon. And, and now he's, he's looking to mess with the devil, but the devil looks like a, seven-year-old girl in a party dress oh like that one yeah. devil out of um what was that uh sandman 
There was a there yeah. Was a, one of the devils looked like looked like a little girl in a party dress with balloons. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's typical Lobo and Sam Keith. Right on. Well, that sounds fun. Latest thing I read, I read today, um, Spider-Man: The List. Um, normally, I don't read any Spider-Man post one more day, but I read that today. Um, let's just say that I'm still not paying for it um, <clears throat> ever until it's back to normal. And uh, uh, yeah, it was readable. It had a backup story, which was, I think, two issues of um, The Pulse. Do you remember when The Pulse came out uh, just post-Alias? Um, anyway, it was uh, when... Yeah, when Je- Jessica, Jessica Jones is a newspaper reporter. Right, when she first had her baby. It was those, uh, there's like a story or two stories where she had, first had her baby and, and Norman was outed as a green goblin. Yeah. To bring it right back around to uh, Boondock Saints. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so what about you, Dune? Um, <clears throat> I read the first Super God because it's on Avatar and written by Warren Ellis. <laughs> uh, that was good. And uh, I was about to try to start reading Dark Rain, and then I said, eh, and then I started rereading Preacher. Oh, I was going to start rereading Preacher. I, I and that's and then I was like, you know what? That's probably the best decision I could make. It's starting to rain here, and it just feels right to have, you know, those rainy nights reading the Preacher, you know? Yeah. And it's uh, one of the few things that I not I, I own everything. First off, I purchase it all, but it's one of the few things I own all the trades of. I I, so like, I have uh, all of the original issues, and then I have the second trade is the only trade I have. I think I I, I think uh, it's something yeah. that I accidentally got when Carl's store was closing. You accidentally got it. <laughs> Well, you know, I was just grabbing stuff because people were all, I mean, it was like the second to the last day and people were just grabbing stuff just crazily and just putting stuff into boxes and just, you know, and then just walking up to the to the counter and saying, here, how much for this box? And he would look through it, you know, offhand and say, eh, about, you know, whatever, 30 bucks or something like that. And, you know, off we'd go. <sighs> you accidentally got it out of Charles. Oh, wow. Carl's kids mouths. Their college funds, right? Well, his grandkids, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point yeah. is, yeah, preachers when rereading and Super God is good. Right on. So, how about you, Gary? You reading any comics lately? Oh, uh, it's been a while, but I have to say that when I did read, my favorite were uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil back in the day. So it's been a while since I've read it. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, you know, hey. Sometimes you got to uh, make some movies instead of uh, reading comics. I mean, not that we can understand that sort of thing, but you know, <laughs> I understand that that's the case. But um, I did stay away from the Daredevil movies just because I loved the, the comics so much that I just didn't feel they would do anything close to how amazing the when Frank Miller was writing them. I think I was the only person to actually like the Daredevil and Elektra movies. Carl? I, I like Daredevil. I, I like them both, and uh, I mean, I can understand people's com- complaints. Uh, I mean, I certainly, you know, had nitpicks about them, but not to where I didn't like them, like Wolverine. 
How's Ben Affleck in it? Uh, he was fine. I mean, he wasn't great, but he was all right. Um, you know, it's certainly not the best thing. It 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 was no chasing Amy. Wait a minute. <laughs> but it, then what is? What is? But it was good. I liked it. You know, he was good. Foggy Happy was good. I like Michael Duncan Clark as the kingpin. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Michael Clark Duncan as the kingpin was it, it, it was kind of a strange choice because it's like, you know, the, when you go and do that and, and you flip somebody, you know, uh, of flip somebody's race so obviously, and you know where, or you flip somebody's sex when it comes to like you know Star Starbuck and Battlestar Galactica or something like that, you know it, it really stands out even more, um, and it can really fail. I mean it. But I thought it was fine. I thought he did a pretty decent kingpin. It was a, it was definitely a different kingpin. It wasn't uh, some old guy who was <laughs> was strangely fast. Yeah, I was just really afraid that they would have just picked some some guy who was just fat. Right, me too. And that's why I like their choice. Because he he, lo- he looks good in a suit, but he looks dangerous. Mm. Yep, for sure. So apparently, uh, Kelly has uh, has re- asked uh, if there are any big plans. Uh, you know, I put on a uh, put out a, a tweet about if anybody had any questions for us this episode, and she wants to know if there's any big plans for Comics Online in 2010. And it's the same plans as for 29. Stop sucking. And uh, and get more awesome interviews with Gary King. Well, we've got the awesome. Yeah, interview. that went well for two thousand nine. Yeah, so so <laughs> meet uh, your deadlines. Yeah, meet our deadlines and uh, uh, get stuff. Get our get our Comic Con uh, material out at a decent rate to where it's not months later. Uh, so Kelly, that's the answer to your question. Nice. Yeah. Kelly, the answer to your question is 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 that we're gonna work hard and have a good time. <laughs> well if if Kevin, if you wanted to if you wanted to cut me out somehow, cut me out of this whole segment, this whole interview, mm-hmm. I could come back and just You'd talk appreciate about it. Yeah, I mean I would appreciate it. <laughs> then I could I could come back and just talk about the zombie movie with the trailer. And that would be, I think, a lot more fun than my boring butt talking about, you know, mumblecore and stuff on on comics online. I just, I don't know. Well, yeah, but see, if you had actually listened to some of our episodes, you would say, oh, wait, they get it wildly off topic every episode. And so <laughs> this is nothing new. Not to worry. This is, uh, this is the norm for us. Hey, Gary. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, I was just wondering, um, when Dismal comes out on DVD... Is there going to be any changes in editing to the version that I that I reviewed? You know, I mean, I mean, one of, one of the biggest criticisms I heard from some people, I wouldn't say who, um, <laughs> is the the special effects were kind of cheesy. Which, frankly, I kind of like because I kind of I kind of felt like it was sort of a throwback. I mean, I, nice. I, I love I love the bear trap scene. Cool. It was just you're looking at it going, oh my god, how stupid. Oh my god! How freaking cool! <laughs> it was. I mean, it was just. I mean, I, I love that movie. I mean, it, it could be so cliched, but you know, I'm just wondering. It, 
you know, did you go in and clean anything up? Did anything change, you know, other than adding special features? Uh, I think so, yeah. What, from what you saw, the, the special effects did get a polish, but I would say it looks pretty much what you saw is what you're going to get. Um, I think we did, they did a little bit of um, minor editing, but nothing where it's significant enough where you would notice a total difference in story or anything. I think that, uh, you know, and just going back to, to defend my position here, if they had gone to Gary and said, okay, there are going to be no digital effects, this is going to be all practical, and you're just going to have to, you know, just cut back and forth uh, to not show the part where people get shot or hooked or whatever, um, and, you know, and leave it up to the viewer's imagination, like an old movie would. Gary would have kicked ass at it, as he kicked ass at every other part of this movie. And, it, you know, I, I personally would have liked it better. <laughs> That's very kind I, I, can, I, I, can, I can see both sides, but I just, from my point of view, you know, I mean, there's Night of the Living Dead where they let everything, you know, you leave everything to your imagination and what's in my head scares the hell out of me. And then you've got the extremely polished stuff. And I just kind of, I kind of like the, the che- I mean, I really like the cheesy. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not cheesy in a bad way. It's cheesy in the, I mean, you, you definitely had me on edge. I was, you know, rooting for, for Lydia, but it was just, or no, the character's name was Dana. Dana. I'm, I'm rooting for her the whole time, but it's just, yeah, I'm on edge. And you're like, oh, the holy crap, how'd they do that? I mean, <laughs> there were some great scenes in there. And like I said, you know, falling on the bear traps was amazing. Sweet. Dude, we need more of Carl out there. That's awesome. I appreciate it. And actually, the producers, when, we, when they hired me, they said they wanted something over the top. And they wanted a fun movie. You know, and we we try to just make it as as, as cool as possible. And I, I mean, it was it was you know there wasn't a lot of money, and so we just tried to you know experiment. To, and we're hoping things came out for the best. And again, some things hit really well, some things missed. But I think everyone learned from it. And the cool thing is, though, actually, Carl, you'd, you'd be happy to know that there um, is a group of high school kids out in I think Jersey somewhere where it's become a cult film among the school. I've heard from. Uh, from my friend that he says he's a teacher there and he said oh they just said they could download it from time warner it was on demand and it just kind of blew up at their school and everyone started watching it so you're in good company now nice great <laughs> nice well uh yeah the only thing we really haven't hit was uh is, is tv and the only thing that comes to my mind is the uh the sad sad end of dollhouse um, is anybody watching the the last few episodes here? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Gary? I haven't. Sadly, I haven't caught it. Yeah. So we've got uh, a, a double episode that just aired on Friday. Um, that is to say, Friday, December fourth, um, which they'll probably all be done by the time <laughs> this airs. But uh, and then we've got a, another couple of double episode weeks, and then a uh, a final a final closer of a, of an episode and hopefully they'll be able to wrap it up. But you know, I've, I've personally really enjoyed it and, uh, you know, I'm sad to see it go. Uh, what's everybody else watching? Dexter's been good. Oh God. You want to hear the saddest Dexter story ever? 
So what? <laughs> apparently Thanksgiving weekend we had free showtime. And I thought, for some uh -huh. reason, maybe we had a month of free showtime. So we're watching it Thanksgiving weekend, watch the first three or four episodes. And I'm like, yeah, all right, Dexter, we got showtime again. We're watching Dexter On Demand, and we watched like three back-to-back, -back, and we're having a great time. And then today, my wife's like, hey, let's watch Dexter. I'm like, right on, or it was last night. She's like, yeah, let's watch it. And I was like, great, turn it on. You must subscribe. Fuck. Uh. And, you know. It's Christmas time, so we're trying to cut down on crap like that. So, uh, yeah, I'll be reviewing Dexter Season 4 when it comes out on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> it is great, though. Oh, uh, yeah, the first three were great. I man, that's It got kicked up. There's a lot of crazy big twists and stuff, too, in this one. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Damn it, the High Commander. I'm not Shyamalan. Yeah, the new It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia at M. Night Shyamalan, but not really. I saw that last night. Twist. Wait, wait, wait. We, instead, we watched, we watched It's Always Sunny. Yeah, that one was all right. It wasn't first, one of the great ones, but it, it was, was good. That was the first time we ever watched it, and we had no idea what was going on, really, but it was okay. Twist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anybody else? Carl? Uh, let me see. Fringe is kick-ass, as, as always. Um, the season finale of the second season of Sons of Anarchy was totally unexpected. It was, I mean, a major cliffhanger, major tearjerker. And that's the, uh, the, the biker gang show? Yeah. Yes, I look, I look forward to, to reviewing season two. Did you review season one? Yes, I did. Right on. See, season two had Henry Rollins as a white supremacist, <laughs> and and Alan Arkin as a white supremacist. Freaky. So what, what about you, Gary? You watch anything on the tube? Um, I recently discovered Mad Men, which I really love. And Holy crap! Yeah, we love Mad Men, at, at, if only for Christina Hendricks. Mm-hmm. By the way, you know, if you get no other actual stars in your, you know, in your movies. Let me just put in a personal request, Christina Hendricks. There you go. Uh, <laughs> yes, you know, I was thinking of as as I walk around New York, if if girls start dressing like the sixties again, I'd be fine with that. No kidding. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I, it, I I have a feeling that it's that it's really uh, ultra stylized, um, you know, and maybe not quite accurate, but even so, I love it. And I, you know, I gotta just, I mean, I, I don't pay attention too much to award shows or whatever, so I have no idea if they've won anything, but the, uh, the set dressers and the costumers on that show need not only awards, but just big handfuls of cash because those people fucking rock. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And they've got to just love it. I mean, just to be able to do something that's not, you know, day to day, you know, normal 2000, whatever. America has got to be just thrilling. Totally, totally. But uh, anyhow, it's like, like True Blood, or do you guys hate that? We like it. Uh, at least me and Carl do. Uh, me and Carl and Chelsea uh, fight over things like that. Well, I, f I finally saw the first season, the entirety, and I love it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I haven't seen. It. I haven't seen second season yet. Me neither. Yeah. I've just seen the first season as well, and it was riveting. 
Well, you, you know, it's, it's based on the Suki Stackhouse movies. Um, oh, what's her name? You mean, Char- you mean books, right? Not movies. Oh yeah. The move, the, the books, Charlene Harris. Cause I read the first fa- one. Wait. He has a, Carl has a fact checker back there or something. <laughs> yep. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, Priscilla. Thank you. <laughs> but no, because because I'd read the first one and I'm watching the first episode, you know, when it first came on, and I'm like, why does this seem oddly familiar? And then I realize, oh, it's based on the books. Oh, so you'd actually read the books before that, and not actually known? Yeah, that I hadn't known. We finally have Rogue Naked. Yes. Anna Paquin is very talented. Right. And Oh, yes, and that that, that was a high point as I'm watching. I'm like, I don't believe she did that. I'm happy, but I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of surprised at it, really, because she doesn't seem like the type who would, who would go for nude scenes. But yeah, it worked out. It was nice. Well, Anne Hathaway said at the beginning she wouldn't do a nude scene unless it was an excellent script. And then what does she do in Havoc? (laughs) Which I I frankly thought was a horrible movie, except for the two or three scenes that she was in at Topless. Hmm. I shall have to watch it now. (laughs) And she's she's definitely fun. Better better to watch that for the nude scenes than to have to suffer Brokeback Mountain for it. (laughs) Ouch. Why was she in that? Yeah, she has a topless scene in Brokeback Mountain that has a scene in there I will never get out of my head. I've been permanently traumatized. <laughs> uh, poor Carl. Oh, man. Ah, well. I cry myself to sleep at night thinking about that. Wow, that's pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, well, it sounds like we have a podcast. Thanks to our special guest, Gary King. And we look forward to maybe talking to you again a little bit once you get your trailer up, and especially once that movie comes out, because that sounds like that's going to be hilarious and awesome. Yeah, I definitely would love to come back and, and, and talk about that once there's a little bit more footage for you guys to check out. That'd be awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Right on. Well, and so for Dune Murderous and Carl and special guest Gary King, I'm Kevin Goswan, and for everything geek pop culture, this is Comics Online. Disclaimer, the opinions expressed by the participants in this podcast are their own and do not necessarily represent those of Comics Online, any other participants, or any employers, past, present, or future, or anyone else in the world, living or dead. If you would have thought otherwise without hearing this disclaimer, maybe you're not ready for this whole internet thing, much less mumblecore. Or maybe you're instead one of our smart and sexy fans who appreciate foul language, independent film, and biting sarcasm as well as everything geek pop culture, even when it's delivered by a robotic voice like mine. If you have comments, questions or suggestions for the Comics Online podcasters, we invite you to post in our forums at comicsonline.com, follow us on Twitter, become a fan of our Facebook group, And you can always email us at 
podcast at comicsonline.com. All original material in this podcast copyright Comics Online. Just a second, we're gonna have a little background for a second. Doom <laughs> <laughs> does the best background noises. You like that? Yeah. Kevin, you're gonna edit this up, right? Please tell me you're gonna. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I chop things out. <laughs> okay, thank God. Yep. Um, but probably not as much as, as say, you might. You know, my uh, if you if you've listened to any of the other ones, you'll realize how many ums I leave in is it's kind of absurd. But you know, eventually I get tired of of deleting and then just edit out the really bad sections like this one. Yeah. Uh, so moving right along. <laughs> um, 